You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Voice the Colors podcast. I am Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast, and I am joined once again by Jonathan Wagner on Three Sports, Scott Lorbatcher, also known as Butner Pirate, fresh off the golf course. He has been kind enough to join us. Appreciate you guys taking the time to join us on this Memorial Day. It's a holiday, but it's one of the best days of the year, Selection Monday. And fellas... By the way, hopefully we got the audio corrected. Um, I need to set up this recording in progress. This backwards recording, uh, backup recording, just in case. Um, but either way, man, what a day it has been. We figured out ECU is a national seed, eighth overall, which means they will host all the way to Omaha if they win. And I'll tell you what, the the reaction from being in Town Bank Tower with the the team itself was uh, was pretty awesome. Like I feel like none of those guys. I think they were hoping for it, but they weren't expecting it. So when they popped up on the screen as a top eight, without really an explanation from the ESPN broadcast, they were kind of surprised. And then once it set in, it was as excited as I've ever seen the team at one of those events. So as a fan, we'll start with you, Jonathan. Just your, your reaction. We talked about it yesterday in the in the regional hosts uh, podcast. We. I think we were all kind of hoping, but we didn't really think it would happen, even though we made the argument for it. So what was your reaction? I mean, disbelief. I still don't – it's it's still crazy to me just in my head. Just I mean, we talked about it last night, just where this team came from to even being in the picture to host, period, even being a tournament, period, after the beginning of the year. It's crazy to be having this conversation and to be a national seed and – I still, even with the winning streak, it just given how the team started, it still feels like, and I don't want to say a down year, but it still feels like it at least started off as a down year, but this is the highest seeded team we've seen in a while. So it, it's crazy to me. I still don't like fully believe it, even though I'm sitting here looking at the bracket, but it's crazy. Just, just the thought of actually hoping hosting the super regional and Clark LeClaire goosebumps. I'm, I'm so excited. And if you get there, but it's just disbelief really. Scott, you kind of made the argument on the show. You were like, I don't really see but so many teams that should definitely be ahead of ECU when you kind of look at the big picture thing. And like, I feel like we've made that argument a lot, but then it's like, all right, how is the committee going to look at it to where they don't include ECU in the top eight? But it turned out they looked at it in a way that they can include ECU in the top eight. What do you think made the difference? What was your reaction to it? Well, one thing that when we were talking about who got host, right, it was the surprise was Notre Dame. And what was the knock on Notre Dame? It was their non-conference strength of schedule really was their their big knock. And then you look at ours and it's great. And if, if that's going to be a point of emphasis, then I thought we were in pretty good shape. I didn't, I didn't think we'd be an eight, but I mean, clearly like that, that's a point of emphasis this year. And it's just happened to be the year that, 
it was a, a benefit to us. And, and, you know, that's not always the case, you know, when in 19, when we were five or six in RPI and it seemed like RPI was the biggest metric going in, it didn't matter for us, but this year, our strength was what the point of emphasis was. And, and that was really helpful for us, I would say. Yeah. You just never know which way the committee is going to take it. And this year, non-conference strength of schedule, strength of schedule overall seemed to be a big deal. Like Dallas Baptist was a bubble team, was out of the field based on some projections. They get in rather easily because they probably they had the number one non-conference strength of schedule. NC State left out. We'll get into that in a little bit, just how big of a surprise that was probably due to non-conference strength of schedule. So, yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, this year's committee decided to really lean on that. And then I think, too, ECU winning both the regular season and the tournament championship, something they had not done before, even though I feel like the 2019, the 2019 team in particular felt like a national seed caliber team to me, talent-wise, uh, throughout the year. I don't think this team is quite there as far as talent and upside. But, man, 18 wins in a row. Winning both, I feel like they just made it so the committee made it really hard to, to leave them out, and they ended up putting them in at the end of the day. So East Carolina, the number eight overall national seed, as I said earlier, that will allow them to host a super regional no matter who wins the uh, super, the regional that's paired with them, which is the Austin-Texas region, which we'll get into. Let's start first with the actual Greenville regional, and it is a very tough field, especially with the two and three seed. And as we've seen the past few years, you can't sleep on the fourth seed. Uh, the Pirates are paired up with Coppin State, the MEAC champion, as the four. Then they get Virginia from the ACC and Coastal Carolina from the Sun Belt. Virginia and Coastal Carolina have both won a national championship in the past decade, so you've got some stiff competition here. Uh, and then we talked about Coppin State. You know, being a MEAC champion, they're coming in with momentum. Jonathan, your initial thoughts when you saw this field unveiled? I mean, well, my first thought, I'm going to go back to – Maybe it's a little inside joke between me and you, I go, but the first ECU basketball game I ever worked was against Coppin State, and that was a brutal game. So I saw Coppin State as a four, and I said, oh, crap, we're in trouble. But but in all seriousness, you know, it's, it's a tough field, I think, at least with Virginia and Coastal. Virginia's a really good team. They were in the hosting conversation up until really last week. And Coastal Coastal's a very quality three seed, too. So it's not going to be a breeze. I think it's better than last year's field that we saw. So, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I think at this time of the year, you, you've got to beat the best teams to, you know, achieve your ultimate goals, and that's going to Omaha. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not scared of a, of a really good field, but that's what we got. So, I think ECU is going to have to come out strong and firing on all cylinders, and I hope they can. But it's, it's a really exciting field. I like Virginia coming here. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, you know, Scott, I was saying yesterday I wanted to see somebody different. I mentioned Wake and Coastal, and, and we end up getting Coastal. Virginia is somewhat different unless you were at the Charlottesville Regional. They haven't been, you know, to ECU for a regional. So I, I think it, it's a really good field. Just what are your takeaways from uh, from this group in the Greenville Regional? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with the, the, the draw that we got. I mean, Coppin State, I think, might be the only under 500 team in the tournament. I'm not sure about that, but – they definitely are under 500, but, um, and then what you want in your two and three is you want a three that's able to beat the two, uh, I think if you're hosting. So I think coastal can certainly beat Virginia or at least push them to where they have to play a, a very difficult game on Friday. Um, 
I still don't think that we should not start Mayhew on Friday night. Uh, I think you still have to win that game. But I think that the teams we got are interesting enough. I've wanted to play Coastal for a long time in baseball. I think that I always thought that would be a fun game to play. Um, and then you got a team in Virginia that should travel well, should have some fans there. So that'll be nice too. Yeah, it should be a great atmosphere. I mean, I would think Virginia and Coastal both bring fans. Coppin State, driving distance. I think it I think it should be a great atmosphere. I really hope ECU fans don't take it for granted that they've hosted now four consecutive regionals and they're like, oh, well, I'll just wait till Super Regional weekend to get a ticket. Because, you know, the, I think what makes ECU, along with being so talented and, and the way they coach it and execute it, the thing that makes ECU such a scary regional host is the home field advantage. And I think it has willed this team to victory the past few years, in particular in the Greenville Regionals. So uh, fans got to show up, show out. Sounds like ECU will play the early game. I don't know at this time if it's been officially announced, but ECU will be playing the, the, the afternoon game on Friday. Cliff Goblin said at the press conference earlier, he, he basically admitted he doesn't like it, especially for the fans, but from a strategic standpoint with the rain delays, um, you know, with, with the, the stuff they've had to deal with, the hassle they've had to deal with, they don't want to end up playing back-to-back games on the same day, so they want to play that early game Friday. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, philosophy. We'll start with you, Scott. Even though it may may hurt the attendance a bit for the opener. Yeah, I, I think you should do it. I, I, you, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're playing to them one day, like you said. You want to get um, your guys rested for the next game. You know, you look at what Houston had to do in um, the conference tournament, playing from one o'clock to ten p.m. Just completely beat the next day when they played us. For- the championship that Houston had no legs you could tell I mean, they could fill ground balls and you just don't want your guys to have to deal with that um whether that's because they ended up playing two in one day because of rain whether it's a late night and then you turn around and play again the next day early because it's gonna rain in the afternoon whatever it might be so get the game out of the way early in the afternoon um rest up be ready to go for game two is is definitely my philosophy on it Jonathan you uh you feel the same way, and, and uh, do you have to work Friday? Is the uh, is the real question? I 100% feel the same way, and lo- literally this week is my first week of my new schedule, and I have Fridays off, so that works out pretty nicely for me. I get off at four on Saturday and Sunday, so stay in the winners bracket, play at six o'clock on those days, and this could really just be perfect for me. But I, I think you you've got to play the early game you guys pretty much said it all, but, and then if a game does get ran out, I don't know what the forecast is, but just starting and stopping, starting and stopping, doing so, so late in the night too, can just add in a whole another layer, especially your pitching staff too. So I think going to the early game is really, really the only option if you have the choice. Yeah. And I expect those times to be finalized. Uh, you know, ECU sent a release a little bit ago that, did not have the times finalized, but then the NCAA website and then the Virginia website have UVA playing at six, ECU playing at one. So I would expect that to be the case. But again, stay tuned for that uh, going into uh, the, the rest of this week. All right, as I said, we'll get more into the matchups. You know, I've, I've kind of dove into these teams a little bit, but not enough to where I'm going to come up here and give you scouting reports and all that sort of stuff. So let's take a quick look at the, the regional that ECU is paired with. And I'll be honest, guys, when I saw ECU on the eight line, I thought for sure North Carolina was going to be the nine and it was going to be ECU versus North Carolina, potentially in a super regional. Instead, the Pirates draw the Austin regional 
in terms of a regional pairing. And Texas is the nine overall seed nationally. Air Force, the four, which is a tricky tricky four seed because they do have an ace. Louisiana Tech, the two. And Dallas Baptist, the three. Uh, Jonathan, what were your initial thoughts when you saw Texas on the other side of ECU? It honestly excited me because Texas is a really good team. Obviously, they've got – I think it's Ivan Melendez, the home run king. And that, that guy's good. Texas is really good. Louisiana Tech is really good too. So, I mean, it excited me. I, I'm – the thought of – like you said earlier, the thought of a team like Texas coming to Clark LeClaire to play against ECU in a super, that, I mean, that's what you ask for this time of the year. So, really, I like it. I Texas – Again, it'd be crazy to see that guy come into Greenville. But really, I think that's a solid team to be matched up with, a solid region to be matched up with. So we'll see, I guess, who comes out of it. Uh, Scott, your take on it. Were you were you excited with Texas? Uh, does it make you nervous to think about Texas coming to town? Or is that is that something where it's, man, that you think about Texas potentially playing in Clark Claire Stadium? Like That's almost like a dream scenario to have a program like that uh, in your own stadium in a super regional. But it, it definitely feels like a little bit of justice. You get a big orange tee coming back into Greenville the next time that we're uh, a national host. So, And uh, just looking at these two regionals, you know, what jumped out to me was there's no SEC team in these eight schools, um, which is always scary. Because if you look at the list of, you know, guys who went to college that are playing in the majors, the vast majority come from SEC schools, and there's none here. So, I think it would be awesome to have Texas in. I, I think that would be one of the best environments in the history of Clark Player Stadium. Just up there with, like, UNC Saturday or Friday nights um, when they were ranked, like, number one a few years ago or whatever it was. And I think, that would, I think that would be absolutely awesome to have, you know, the Hispanic Titanic and CJ Mayview facing off <laughs> Friday night next week or two weeks from now. Yeah. Man, he might hit one over Charles Boulevard, just uh, <laughs> regardless of who's pitching. Um, man, that would be awesome. All right, I'm 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 going to pull a coach speak here. I'm going to say we're not going to look any further into Texas until it actually happens. But just thinking about the scenario gives me uh, goosebumps. Um, I think the place would be an absolute madhouse. And you would think that, again, I said I wouldn't look further into it, but here we are. Uh, you would think it would get a prime TV spot just because it is Texas. Um, but – We'll save that conversation for another day. Coppin State is on the clock. Speaking of that, I meant to ask this when we were talking about the Greenville Regional. Scott, you talked about it earlier. You would go Mayhew. Um, you know, I I always go back and forth on this, and I'll, I'll let you start it, Scott. Why would you go Mayhew? And then if, if Mayhew, let's say he starts, ECU gets out to a good lead, do you pull him to try and save him for the rest of the weekend? I think you ride your horse. I, I think you just let him run the race. If if he starts, you know, and we shut him out, we shut him out. It just makes it for an easier win. Um, you know, maybe you pull a guy like Ben Newton out and get and keep his legs fresh for game two. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely understand the argument if you want to start uh, Groves in game one and hold Mayhew back. But, yeah, to me, and, you know, we talk about who's the best pitcher on this team. Well, I mean, is it Spivey? And then he's probably going to be the featured guy in game two out of the pen anyway. So, you know, I think our, our team isn't set up to where you have just uh, Jake Agnos or just uh, Gavin Williams. To, but, yeah, I still think you start Mayhew and you keep the rotation the same because that's what got you here. 
won 18 in a row with it. Might as well keep going. Wags, uh, your thoughts here, and I'll share mine after you go. Um, you know, do you lean Mayhew here? Do you want to get cute? We've seen ECU try and get cute to win the regional, and at times has bit them or has almost bit them. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think you can afford to play games at this time of the year, and I just think that'd be getting too cute, like you said. So you go Mayhew on Friday, and I think, too, even if, like you mentioned, possibly pulling him, say ECU gets out to the lead. It depends on how big the lead that is, I guess. But then if you do that, then you worry about, you know, who's the guy coming out of the bullpen after Mayhew. And then you just get into the whole thing. If, say, Coppin State comes back in that game, they start making it tight, and then you turn to a spy via Sailor, then your arms are taxed going into the second game. So I just, I just think you have to start your guy game one and ride him as long as he'll let you ride him. So you take Mayhew, hopefully he gives you – he's not going to go give you seven, eight shutout innings probably. Maybe he can, but I think you hope he gives you six solid innings and you go from there, you can piece the game piece the game together from there. So go Mayhew and then you figure out the rest of the weekend when you get there because you got to advance to the next days to, to talk about the next days. Yeah, with ECU not having a real ace – I, and I asked Cliff Goblin about this today, and he kind of said, does it really matter who we even start game one? Um, but he did. it did interest me that he followed up that with talking about how good Gross has been recently. It almost made me feel like he was making the argument for why we could see Gross on Friday night. And the reason I, I kind of like the idea of Gross is he has been pitching well, and I do think his stuff would – you know, Coppin State is not used to seeing 90-plus with a good slider. So I, I do think if he commanded well in the tactic strike zone, he could get the job done. It's just, you know, that's the conversation Austin Knight, Cliff Govin are going to have to have. Do we risk it? You know, what if Groves goes out there and he gives up three home runs? You know, he is prone to the home run ball. So, um, But then you can make the counter argument, well, if he's going to do that versus Coppin State, he's going to do that versus UVA or Coastal. So, you know, you can spin this all sorts of way. One thing I will say is I will not – you know, like you said, Scott, you can make arguments for both ways. You know, I'm not going to be one to criticize them if they throw Mayhew and it doesn't work or if they throw Groves and it doesn't work. Like, I, you know, you play to win the regional, so whatever they feel is best, I think I'm I'm fine with. Um, but, again, we'll get more into that. And, and Cliff did say that they probably will not announce the starter until Thursday. I'm sure in the back of their mind they kind of know or at least know by tomorrow, but they're going to – keep it close to their vest and I did also ask about Ryder Giles we did not see him in the conference tournament Cliff said that that was not you know necessarily by design it's not like he's nursing the injury there just wasn't a situation for him to pitch in the tournament uh, that came up so I, I would expect him to be available for the regional so just wanted to throw that note in there this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's get into the, the this field of 64. Um, we'll start first with the the national seeds and, and the, the top 16 seeds, and we'll talk more in, about the uh, the actual field itself. Um, any big surprises outside of maybe East Carolina getting a national seed? Um, Scott, for you, as you kind of follow this thing going to today? Yeah, I think Auburn was a bit of a surprise. I, I, I didn't really have them as one of the teams that I thought would get in. Um, and then I think Maryland being all the way down at 15. I, I thought Maryland, when we talked yesterday about the teams that I for sure had in front of us, one of them was Maryland. But um, uh, just from, you know, just what the pundits had said. But it, it turns out that, no, they put them all the way down at 15. So I was pretty surprised by that. I thought UNC getting a 10 seed was actually a surprise. I thought they would have been probably in that five to six range. But um you know, I, th- I think the the bracket looks pretty good. I, I think the committee does a good job. Um, I say that as we get a top eight seed. Uh, I wouldn't have said that in 19. But, um, yeah, I wasn't too surprised with the host outside of, you know, Notre Dame not getting one, I think. Right. Uh, you know, I, too, was surprised that Maryland being so low. Although, you know, you kind of – the more you dove into their metrics, like outside of the high RPI, they did have a pretty weak resume. And I made the argument why ECU could be over them. I did not expect them to be seven spots over them. Um, Jonathan, anything stand out to you as far as just the the, the way the hosts were seated today? Yeah, I think like Scott said, I was surprised by Maryland. I was surprised by UNC. I definitely thought UNC would be a top six seed. I thought anything lower, I would be surprised. So, and then I look at like in even in Oklahoma State at seven. I mean, a lot of the, like, D1 had them as 15, I think, going into yesterday. And the fact that they have a national seed up at number seven, that was surprising to me. Uh, granted, I don't know all their numbers off the top of my head, but it just it didn't seem like they would be in that national seed conversation. But here we are. And, again, I'm, I was surprised that ECU was number eight, too. So, really, but other than that, maybe Oklahoma deserved a, just a, seat, a host spot as well we kind of got into that yesterday but overall yeah I thought they did a good job from top to bottom even if the maybe the specific placement wasn't exactly where I would have had it all right and then the field of 64 as a whole I mean the biggest shock of all was NC State not getting in and I'll be honest I know we run an East Carolina podcast but man they got screwed like crazy Uh, I I just don't get it and I honestly feel bad for uh for nc state because i feel like man how do they not make it in like what what's going on guys uh scott we'll start with you any, i mean any idea uh yeah they were not even close or whatever they yell at us the whole time at their games um no they they had to have been pretty close but um yeah i, I don't know i guess maybe they're holding their strength of schedule against them uh you know NC State in a lot of sports, um, not just baseball, tends to pad their stats early. And they kind of remind me of the, the Seth Greenberg, Virginia Tech teams that would go out and just stop on 
kinesis the first month of the season and then, you know, 500 ACC play and then go, why didn't we make it in the tournament? Um, you know, maybe this is what NC State needs to start scheduling ECU on the weekends um, next year or the year after that. Um, I'm surprised they didn't get in. I thought they would be in above Ole Miss. I know uh, Aaron Fitt had been tweeting. He was seemingly shocked by it, but um, he, about how the ACC doesn't have any representation on the committee through this current committee. Uh, so maybe that played a factor, but um, yeah, I was pretty surprised. Uh, and then they have a guy like Tommy White, right, that is going to be a name that people are going to remember for a long time. And I, I feel like when you have something that's special, like him or an 18-game winning streak or, you know, whatever it might be, that sometimes the committee will give you the leeway because they want to see what happens when that person gets into postseason play. But, yeah, I was very shocked with NC State. Yeah, that was uh, – I mean, I think we were watching the selection show unfold and everybody was like, all right, we're ready to see NC State. Everybody's like, oh, I guess they're going to – um, you know, going to go to Maryland because that was one of the last regionals announced that was kind of in the region. When that one wasn't announced, it was like, all right, well, I guess they just didn't make it. And once people realized that, once the ECU players realized that, like there was kind of like a shock in the room because they they obviously have a lot of friends. They know NC State. So it was just uh, – it was crazy, man, to see that reaction. Um, Ole Miss getting in, not a huge fan of that. Uh, Grand Canyon gets in. Now, I did listen to the D1 Baseball podcast, and I think they won their conference by like 15 games, and they had a good RPI. But, you know, usually you don't see teams like in one of the worst conferences in the country getting at large. They do. So, Jonathan, a few teams getting squeezed out here. UTSA, Old Dominion, NC State. Um, tough, tough bubble this year, right? Yeah, it definitely was. And then I think – uh, we were watching the Big Ten championship game last night. You know, Michigan kind of came in and stole a bid. And little do they know, they stole it directly from Rutgers, who Rutgers, I thought, was, like, locked in as a three, probably. And then Michigan beats them, and Rutgers is one of the first four teams out. And I think NC State was in the first four out as well. But I was surprised by Rutgers. I thought Rutgers had – granted, I, you can go back to the Big Ten argument with conference RBI and that stuff, but – I thought Rutgers was in, but yeah, when they went to the, the Corvallis regional, the last one they announced and I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, state, state hasn't gone. And I'm like, Vanderbilt hasn't gone. And I'm like, well, we know Vanderbilt's gone. And I said, is state going to be the three and they're going to play round one. That'd kind of be some magical Vanderbilt NC state opening round of a regional. That'd be actually really cool. Actually. And then they get left out altogether. I was surprised by it, but, but yeah, I, I'm never going to pull for state by any means, but I definitely felt for him a little bit because I thought they should have been in, but really it was crazy. Ole Miss, I agree. I didn't think they should have gotten in really, but you know, other than that, it's kind of hard to follow all of it that closely for me. So, but those are the notable ones that stuck out to me. Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing Tommy white in the postseason play. Not as long as they weren't paired with East Carolina. So, um, it's just it's a shame, but it is what it is. By the way, poor Campbell getting shipped off to Tennessee. Um, sorry, Campbell's. Uh, last year they got Mississippi State. This year they get Tennessee. Uh, that's tough. All right, any uh, before we wrap it up, guys, I've got the 16 regionals pulled up here. Looking at the field of 64, 
any regionals that really just catch your eye in terms of, you know, just intrigue, whether it be, um, you know, anything outside of the ECU regional, like something that you'll really be paying attention to. Jonathan, we'll start with you. Anything that really uh, you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think one, I'm looking at the Hattiesburg Regional, Southern Miss, the number 11 national seed. Then you look at LSU as our two. LSU is a team I really like, just purely eye test. I think LSU is a really good baseball team. I think they're going to win that one. And then, you know, you look at, you talk about hot teams like ECU. You look at the, like I just said, Michigan, the three seed in the Louisville Regional. They have Oregon there as well. That one's going to be exciting. And then I also, (laughs) I looked at the, we go back to the Notre Dame conversation again, but Notre Dame being in Statesboro, Georgia Southern, Texas Tech is there too. UNC Greensboro is a good team too. That one's going to be fun. But really, there's a lot of good matchups, and I think I think there there's obviously going to be I think multiple one seeds and regionals that lose, just because I think the quality of twos is that good. The difference between the low end one, the high end twos is minimal. So I'm excited to see how it all plays out. But those those are some of the matchups that really caught my eye initially. Scott, any anything that really caught your eye as far as what you're looking forward to? Sure, yeah, uh, that's Statesboro Regional. You know, you have Billy Godwin uh, playing against Georgia Southern in round one. You see uh, Green Billy Ball where they just smush it over the fence all the whole game, and that's one of the better regionals with Notre Dame and Texas Tech. Um, be interesting to see what Campbell does against Georgia Tech, and if they win Tennessee. You know, Campbell has elite arms. They have Neto, who's a potential big leaguer. Um, I, I think Campbell is dangerous in that regional. I mean, as good as Tennessee is, I mean, it's how dangerous can you be when you're playing against Tennessee? But I think Campbell is, is a pretty dangerous team. And then um, the Miami regional with Arizona, Ole Miss, Miami, all in there together. That's, you know, three pretty big programs that have a ton of history all playing, yeah, I would say that's maybe the hardest regional. I know we just talked about Ole Miss, maybe shouldn't have gotten in, but they're still a very talented baseball team. Um, yeah, so I, I would say those three that that jumped off immediately. Um, hoping for a Georgia win in Chapel Hill, that would be great too. Yeah, they they drew a uh, a tough straw. Any SEC team coming to town is not going to be easy. I tell you, who got an easy matchup on paper or regional on paper is Virginia Tech. Although I will say, watch out for Wright State. Like, I almost feel like Wright State could beat them in that first game. Like, they're just a notorious tough four seed. Um, I don't know what exactly they did this year, but they just always seem to be good. Uh, I think they – I want to say they played Tennessee tough last year in that regional. Um, So, I could see that. But then I I don't know if Gonzaga or Columbia has enough to to knock out VT on their home field. The other one that stood out to me was the Maryland Regional – you know, Wake as the two, UConn as the three. We know UConn, former American member, can easily win that regional. Wouldn't be shocked if they do. And then you guys touched on it, but the Statesboro Regional, I think that's an awesome regional. Georgia Southern, UNCG, Notre Dame, Texas Tech. The problem is the winner probably gets Tennessee. So uh, enjoy that that uh, regional victory. So And then, of course, uh, the winner of Tennessee and the Statesboro Regional uh, will advance to play East Carolina in Omaha, so that'll be fun. Um, as the, uh, as the, as the bracket lines up. Well, all right, fellas, I'm getting the notification. We're running out of time and I'm, I'm glad we uh, got the chance to hop back on. 
this Memorial Day edition, instant reaction, and I think our audio went well this time, major positive, so uh, really excited about the week ahead, and again, I'll, I'll throw to you guys any final thoughts on just the week ahead, and, and I don't know how excited all this is. Uh, we'll start with uh, either whoever wants to talk first. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, just postseason baseball in general, just it's it's awesome. It's my favorite time of the year. It's my favorite sporting event. It, right now, you have playoff hockey and postseason college baseball. It it doesn't get better. So I might feel differently about that after the Canes game tonight. But you know, but we'll see. I'm excited about it. I think this ECU team to get to where they are is it's really well deserved because they've had to scratch and claw their way for literally every win they've earned this year. They've played in a lot of close games this year, fought from behind. And I think when you get to this point in the year, that experience is going to be really valuable. So I'm excited. I think the TCU team might be different than what we've seen in the past couple of years, but I'm not going to go too much on the whole optimist board here. And I'm just going to try to enjoy it for what I can and hope they stay in the winner's bracket so I can go. And Scott, you, uh, you got any thoughts? Sure. Yeah. I'm excited to see what, uh, Bryson Worrell can do this last go around. You know, I don't know that there's ever been a player that has stepped into the spotlight when we needed him more than Bryson has done and, and getting him a home regional one last time and maybe even a super regional, I think is, is really fitting. Um, and you know, he's been such a staple for this program. He came back this last year when he, you know, maybe could have just gone on or, or didn't have to. And, I'm really excited to see what he can do, you know, one last trip around. So, yeah, excited for that. And maybe we get a uh, Benny T horns down to send uh, ECU to Omaha. That that would be pretty great, too. That would be I'll epic. That would be epic. Uh, <laughs> all right, fellas, it's been real. Uh, ECU hosting another regional, maybe a super regional. We'll have another podcast later in the week breaking down the matchups. But for now, that'll do it. For Jonathan, for Scott, I am Stephen Igo. You've been listening to the Hoisty Colors Podcast.
everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. It's just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.